I don't want to rush away from this sense of just being in the presence of God, this time of worship. I want to say, I just want to say a couple of things before we move on. You know, even if I didn't preach this morning, we've heard the gospel. We've been encouraged to recognize that God is bothered about us. We've been encouraged to remember that God heals us, leads us, gives us hope, gives us peace. We have sung the message of Jesus Christ, crucified, dead, buried and risen again. We have sung these things this morning. The word of God is already in this place. Really, it's about how open are our hearts. And I just want to start this. I want to do something slightly different this morning. I hope this works. I wanted to read, I wanted to read Psalm 24. But as I was preparing, because I felt in there, there is, there is a challenge. I, I believe that Psalm, Psalm 24 and actually following on with Philippians 2, 5 to 13, those two together sum up the heart that I have for this morning for the message that God's put on my, put on my heart. And um, I wanted to read this. And as I, was, as I was studying and as I was praying and as I was trying to find that space where I could just sort of hear the Lord and, and hear what he wanted me to talk about this morning, I, I stumbled across a, what I think is, a, well, for me it's a new song, but I think it comes 2017, I think it came out. So it's not really a new song. But I haven't discovered it until recently. I don't know whether you will know it. And it really just spoke to me. And I'd, I wanted to use these two things together. So... I don't know whether this is going to work. We shall, we shall see whether this is going to work or not. And uh, here we go. Psalm 24, 1 to 10. The earth is the Lord's and all it contains. The world and those who dwell in it. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who may ascend at the end of the hill of the Lord, and who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to falsehood, and has not sworn deceitfully, he shall receive a blessing from the Lord, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, even Jacob. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts, he is the King of glory. Thank you. 
We want to throw open the gates. We want to throw wide the gates. We want to throw wide the doors, Lord. Yes, to this place, to this meeting, to this service. But we want to throw wide the gates to our hearts as well. Come, King, Lord, Saviour, Friend, Brother, come, meet with us today. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will speak to us this morning. I pray that you'll help me to share what's on my heart, Father God. And I pray that you will speak what is on your heart. Father God, I pray that in your name. And I give you thanks. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I just wanted to start with that song. The song, every time I hear it, it, it just it gets me. Even then, I could have started crying. It just really touches something in my heart. Because it touches something about a passion that I have. And when I was preparing this sermon, I, I discovered that I'd, I'd got so much stuff. I know I keep saying that, but there was so much stuff that I could have spoken about today. And, and this morning I was, I was praying before I came. And I was saying to the Lord, what a, I, I just want to get this right, Father. I want, to, I want to say this right. I want to share what's on your heart this morning. And as I did, the Lord just said to me, Chill. Easier said than done, Lord. Yes, chill, because this is something that's in your heart. Just share it. And so this may be a bit muddly this morning. I, I, I sort of make no apology in one respect for it, but I do apologize in another respect for it, because it's just I'm just sharing my thoughts and my feelings. And, and, and as uh, we're going through this topic of my church, and we're going to be praying about that this coming week. And I hope that God's been speaking to you through the sermons that you've heard. Barry's preach two weeks ago. I'm really challenged by Barry's preach. Malcolm's preach last week. Mine this week. And then we're going to be praying through the week. And then Barry is finishing off with a final preach looking at the church again. Because what we want is we want God to come and do what he wants in this place. Not just what we think is good. Look at this, this next passage which I mentioned earlier. Philippians 2, 5 to 13. Actually, um, oh, I just, yeah, sorry, I'd forgotten I'd put that one in there. <laughs> the reason I put it there was this. It says, open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors. If you look at various different trans translations, you'll find some talk about um, opening up and others talk about lifting up your head. But the idea really is that the doors are flung open wide. Philippians, let's go on to the Philippians one. Philippians 2, 5 to 13. It says there, you must have the same attitude 
that Christ Jesus had. I was just going to read the last part. It's verse 12 and 13 that really struck me. But as I was looking at this, I thought, I can't get away from the, from the principles that we find in these early, these far, the, the, verses 5 to, to, to sort of 5 to the end of verse 11. The principles there, it says there, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think, it, think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his, design, his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. We've heard the gospel again. We are here today because Jesus came, Jesus was a man, yet he was fully God. Jesus died on that cross, Jesus was buried, Jesus was in the tomb for three days, and Jesus rose again. And if he hadn't, then this would all be a waste of time. But he did. And he sits at the right hand of the Father in glory. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other name all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is lord to the glory of God the father the thing that challenged me was this that in that first part we do not see Jesus grasping at anything but being a servant Submitting. That's part of the heart that we have, that we should have. Part of the DNA of what it means to be in my church. And then it goes on. Dear friends, you always followed my instructions when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desires and the power to do what pleases him. Oop, I didn't move it on, did I? There you go. Got carried away. Those two passages have just buzzed around my head as I've been thinking about the topic for today. And I came up with this. Church is about opening wide the gates and working out our salvation. I just felt those two, for me, they summed up where I think we're at. And you'll see why the topic for today, our topic for today is my church needs my support. And you'll see how that comes in. Psalm 24 says this. Why is that gone to there? Sorry. What's happened here? Where's it gone? Oops, we're back there again. Okay, I'm going to forget to... I'm not going to use the PowerPoint. I don't know what's happened. I thought I'd have got it all right. Oh, there it is. I think I found some. Sorry about this. No. Yeah, I thought it came up. Uh, 
So, church is about opening wide the gates and working out our salvation. Psalm 24, 7 to 10, open up the ancient gates, open up ancient doors, and let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, invincible in battle. Open up ancient gates, open up ancient doors, let the King of glory enter. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of heaven's armies. He is the King of glory. Interesting in this, in this psalm that's repeated. Why is it repeated? Because it's important. Yes, it was a, a, a device that was used when, when poetry was written, but it's also because it's important. Open up the ancient gates. Do you know, in our country, and I, I'm assuming that this still happens, uh, there is a tradition that when the king, when Charles, if Charles wants to enter London through the Temple Bar Gate in London, what happens is the gate is first closed against him. He will get to the gate and the gate will be closed against him. And the herald, his herald, will demand, let, let us in. And then the reply comes, who is there? And then finally the herald answers, the king of England. And then the gates are thrown open wide and the king can go in. And the same thing, Jesus wants to be central to what we're doing. He wants to be here with us. We talk about church. Church is not not this building. Church is us. Church is whenever we get together. So it's now, because we're together. It's on Tuesday morning, because we get together. It's on Tuesday evening, because we get together. It was on Thursday night, because we got together. Whenever we are together, if you decide to have a a meal with somebody in the church, and you get together and you start talking about God, church is happening again. Whenever we get together, we fling wide the gates. And that was the thought that was in my heart I was, as I was looking at that, as I was thinking it. The king, I believe he still has to ask to enter in. It's, it's part of that tradition we have, probably going back to what happened with the kings a few hundred years ago. But the point is, he has to ask to come in. Jesus comes. Do you know what is important to recognize is that Jesus doesn't just come in, barge into your life, and, and, and just dominate you. That isn't how, how God works. We've heard about, the, we've heard about the, the gospel this morning and what we've sung. Jesus presents that story to you. He presents the opportunity to respond to him. He gives you an opportunity to respond to his gospel. And you also are given the ability to respond to that. I said to somebody this morning as, as they were coming in, you know, church, what, how we see it is it's about a relationship. It's not about trying to argue you or, or convince you of something. It's about a relationship that actually starts with God. He starts that journey. He starts that relationship. But it's this thing, the king standing at the door and he says, open. What is that other scripture? It says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Are we going to open our hearts to him? What we want to see is God in our midst. Whenever we get together. I'm not just talking about here. It was, it was interesting. Thursday night was lovely. I, I really enjoyed Thursday night. And one or two others did. And we're going to do it again. And let me just say, you don't have to be wanting to be in the worship team. You don't have to be part of the worship. You don't have to be anything to come along on a Thursday night. Basically, we had all sorts of notes all over the place. Some were the right notes in the wrong place and some were the wrong notes in the right place. But it was wonderful. 
It was beautiful. We all got a chance to express ourselves with the giftings and the things that we're doing. Some of us were playing instruments, some of us were singing. But the point was, it was an opportunity to come together and fling wide the gates. Because as church, we were there. We want God in our midst. We want God to turn up. This is not just some club. This is about us getting together and meeting with God. I was speaking to somebody else in the week and it really, it really challenged me. And they said to me that when, sometimes when they come to church, they have that, that sort of sense of, of expectation. What's God going to say? You know, just almost a sense of challenge. That's what we want. I want to come into this place in the morning. I want to walk in the back. I want to sit down and I want to not know what God's going to do with me. I want to be challenged. I want to walk out the door thinking, I've got to change my whole life because God's just spoken to me again. I want to walk out that door with that sense of excitement and passion to go and do something, no matter how tired I feel. That's God with us. That's flinging wide the gates and the king comes in. That's why I said church is fling wide the gates. But it goes on, Philippians. Philippians 2 verse 12. I'm now not sure whether I put that one up there. Yes, I did. That's up there. The end of that passage there, it says, Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence, and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases you. Got it? God is with you, giving you the desire and the power. So he fills our hearts with desire. And then he's given us his Holy Spirit to work in us, to work through us, to challenge us, to teach us, to grow us. God is working in us. The New Living puts it, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you. Fear and trembling, we're not, we're not scared. When God comes, there is a sense of fear, i.e. a sense of awe. Have you experienced that in church? I have. I've sat there and there's my heart's beating because I know God is speaking to me. He may not be speaking to anybody else at that point, or he may be, I don't know. But he's speaking to me. It's that personal relationship that we have. That's what church is about. We're talking about my church. This series is my church. Why? Because it's where I meet with God. Let's see if this one comes up. God at work in us. He's meeting with us and he's at work with us. Matthew 16, 15 to 18 says this. Then he asked them, what do you say? Who do you say I am? Simon answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and all the powers of hell would not conquer it. 
I will build my church and nothing will prevail against it. God is building his church. When we talk about my church, we're talking about his church. Because he is building his church. But how does he build his church? 1 Peter 2.5 And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. You are living stones. What's more, you are his holy priests through the, medita- uh, through, uh, the mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You see, Jesus is building his church, his spiritual temple, on the rock, not the rock of Peter. Peter's name means rock. But he was saying, I am the rock. I am the Messiah. You have called me Messiah. Yes, I am. And I am that rock on which the church will be built. We are built upon Christ, the Messiah, our Savior. But the mind-blowing thing is that he doesn't just build a building and then we come along. He takes you and me and he uses us to build the fabric of his church. It's my church because I am built into it. The brick in the wall of this building belongs to this building. But equally, the building belongs to the brick because the building is, part, is, is made of the brick and the brick is part of the building. Do you see what I'm saying? This is my church. Not because I own it, not because I dominate it, not because what I want happens, but it's my church because I am built into it. And that's why it's so important. We are built in. You see, God, I believe that building in is God taking vision and sowing it into our hearts. Love, sowing it into our hearts. Mission, sowing it into our hearts. So that church doesn't become just the place that we go. It's more than that. It is who and what we are. We are church. And that is why when we get together and we have a coffee together, if you just say, hey, let's do a coffee, and you go down Tim Hortons, and you're sitting in Tim Hortons because it happens to be nice big space, and their coffees are better than their food, and, but you're sitting there in Tim Hortons, and, and what you're doing is church. Where two or three are gathered together, I'm there in the midst of them. That's why he says that. Because I am a brick, and we have two bricks together. It's my church, not because I own it, but because I am part of it. I'm part of the fabric. What is so important about church? There's there's another thought that came to my mind. Why is church so important? Because I've known there's loads of people who bounce between churches. I've I've seen, I used to, back in the day, we used to live in in Lowestoft, and there was sort of a little bit of a habit that people would, as I called it, slosh from church to church. They would sort of flow from one church and then something would happen and then they'd flow and they'd, you'd end up in another church. And you'd see these Christians sort of wandering around the churches. Personally, and again, this is why I said it's from my heart, personally I find that so difficult. You've got people who say, I don't need to be in church. I don't need to be in church to be a Christian. I don't need to be in church to be born again. Well, no, to be honest with truth, yes, that is, I suppose, true. At one level, you don't need to be in church to be a Christian, and you don't need to be in church 
to, to, you know, to, to know the Lord and all the rest of it. But let's just look briefly at Genesis without going too deep into this. Just I'll put them up there. But if you look in Genesis, what do we see there? We see that the Lord had relationship with Adam. God formed man out of the dust of the ground and he breathed in him. And what we see in those early verses of Genesis is relationship between the two. God talks to Adam, Adam talks to God, Adam's doing stuff and there's communication going on. Then in verse 18 we see this, it says, Then the Lord said, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper. And he makes Eve. We were not created to be lone rangers. We were created to be in relationship. Relationship with God and relationship with each other. Human beings thrive in relationships. Yes, they can go wrong. Yes, there can be problems in them. But actually, when relationship is good, when we're in a good relationship, we thrive. And that's what God wants for us. This is my church. We, one, one person, one, one, one um, writer, put it this way, said, we are like pieces of a jigsaw puzzle. And I love this. Like jigsaw puzzles... We're lumpy and sometimes oddly shaped. And then it, she went on, the, the, it, was a, it was a lady, she went on to say that the shapes represent our strengths, that's the bits that stick out, our strengths, which can be gifts and talents and abilities, and our weaknesses, the faults, the bits that go in on the puzzles. But she said the beautiful thing is that when we assemble the pieces, they complete one another, they fit together perfectly, and they produce a beautiful picture. How lovely is that? My, my, my bits that stick out, you know, the, the lumps that stick out, the, the, the positives of, of my life can bless you and the positives of your life can help to bless me in the areas where I'm weak. The areas that I'm strong, I can share. The areas where I'm weak, you come and, 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 and compensate for that. And we fit together. What a picture. My church, like the bricks, like a, a jigsaw puzzle. That's why it's so important to be part of a church. That's why it's so important to have a church that you call my church, a church where you go, where you're committed. See, we did, one of, one of the, 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 the things that I was looking at was membership. We don't, we don't actually sort of have membership in the classic sense here. But what we should have is a commitment to one another. Not a sign on the dot, this is membership, you've got to do this now, this is what you have to be here, and if you're not here six Sundays in a row, we'll come knocking on your door and find out why you're not here. But you being here because God's touched your heart and you're in love with God and you want to meet with his people and you want to enjoy their presence. And in that, we make a covenant. We make a covenant between ourselves and God that we will be part of this fellowship, this church, my church, Harefield, needs my support. Because I'm one of those pieces in the jigsaw puzzle that will fit around your life. You are pieces of that puzzle that fit around mine. I'm a brick in the wall of this church. And if you pull me out, there'll be draft. And it's the same with you. We need one another. It is my church, and my church needs my support. It needs my support because the church is where I discover how to worship God. I discover what God has for me. I discover how to live out my, my, my faith and, 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 and my life with you. 
Why? Because you're there. Yes, we can get a lot of information from books, but your life is lived in front of me and your accountability before God means that I have to be accountable to you. That's something different. We can read something brilliant in a book, but when it's in front of us, when it's flesh and blood, when you see somebody working through those difficult things in life in front of you within a fellowship, where we can be honest with each other. I've gone off my notes now, but I know what I want to say. This is a family. This is, this, this is family. This, what we're doing this morning is about family. God ordained, and it doesn't always happen this way. Really, it doesn't, and it's heartbreaking. But God ordained that families should be where we have a mother and a father raising children, giving them a safe place where they can explore, they can discover, they can feel encouraged, they can feel released, they can feel protected, and they can have that place where they can grow and develop and mature. And there's another interesting thing about families. A family is where one generation within the family will help to grow on another generation in the family. You get big brothers looking after their younger brothers and sisters and, and big sisters you know, doing the same sort of thing. You, apart from the parents doing it, you've also got the different generations. The diff, you've got people looking out for each other. That is why church, that is why it's important to be part of church. It's why my church needs my support and I need to be here and I need to be fully um, given to it and fully engaged with it. And it's also why God has made church as family. Because the world is a pretty messy place. It always has been. I don't think it's really changed that much. It's just that we notice it more. And it's in our face more. And we're dealing with it. Church is family. God's plan is to give us that space where we can grow. Stuart Townsend. I don't know if you've ever heard of this song. It's a song called, I Have Seen a Mystery. It's an old song. It's probably from 15 years ago. Um, Sharon and I had to work really hard to try and find it because we, we sort of knew we were aware of it. And it says this. Stuart Townend in this song, he said, I have seen a mystery, the hopes of prayer and prophecy, and rising from all peoples see she comes, rescued, redeemed, lifted up, crowned with mercy, clothed in hope, the object of all heaven's love, she comes. And then the chorus, it is the church, the hope of all the world. And I love this bit. And here, I fix my heart and my hand. I've First time I heard that song, that captured me. Even to now, it captures me. I have fixed my heart and my hand. My church, Harefield. Why Harefield? Well, because God's brought me here. Actually, that's, that's it. That, that, that's the only reason. Because God's brought me here. And I'd hazard to say that it's the same for all of us. 
Why Harefield? Why are we here? Because God did something and brought us here. All those years ago, God put on the heart of a few people to have a mission. Out of that mission, a church grew. Out of that grew those who were willing to sacrifice and give of themselves to say, this is my church and I am going to give of myself to this church. 70 odd years ago, next year. And out of that has grown Harefield. Why? Because God drew people here and God wants to use people here. Yes, there is more to church. Harefield's not the only church. And God is working amazingly in other churches. But this is where I am. You are the people that God has put me with. I am the person that God has put with you. With all my lumps and bumps and gaps and holes. And that's why this church, why Harefield Church, why my church needs my support. Harefield needs my support. Why? How? In so many different ways. I'll utter the dreaded word. It needs my finance. Oh dear, he's talking about money again. Yeah. But actually there's an awful lot that happens in this place and it has to be paid for. And you support that work. Yes, God provides. God has provided. What can I say? We have seen God providing for us as a church. He's met our needs as a church. He is meeting our need. But that's through you. That's not through some magic, make some money disappear suddenly in the office and, oh, we take that down the bank and bank it. No, it doesn't work that way. It's through you and me. God stirs us. It's my church. It needs my help. So yes, it is about money. But Mark Hugh, what I'm not talking about here is saying that, that, that there is a rule, you have to give this much or whatever. If you don't want to give anything, don't give anything. Because Scripture teaches us, and it's all in my notes, but I can't be bothered to find it and put it on the screen now. Scripture teaches us that we give with a hilarious heart. The word hilario. That is the word that gives us hilarious. And that is the word that's used when, when that scripture is talking about give. Give what you've, you've got in your heart to give and give it joyfully. Give it hilariously. No, I, I grew up in Africa, right? I have seen people doing Pentecostal giving and I have seen them dancing down the front and dancing to the back again and then dancing back down the front again and prancing around and all the rest of it. In their giving. Some of that may be cultural, I must admit. But there you go. <laughs> my church needs my help. It needs my support. It needs it financially. But let me say this, it needs my time. And I think in some respects, time sometimes is even harder to give than finances. Look at our lifestyles today. Look where we are. Look what we live, how we live. Look at the pressures that we have on us. Look how we have to look after our families, our families. What they need as well. There are so many pressures on us. The other word that's quite difficult to mention from a pulpit is the word tithing. Spoiler alert, I believe in tithing. But I believe in it as a principle. 
I believe in it as, 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 um, as a state of mind, if you like. It's, it's not a mathematical calculation. It's a principle, a principle of giving and sowing and reaping. For me, we work out, between me and God, we work out what I should, what I should do. What I should, but yeah, actually, what I believe is that the, the New Testament teaches, and again, I can give you the Scriptures if you want, but the New Testament teaches quite clearly that nothing that I own belongs to me. It all belongs to the Lord anyway. And the Lord gives it back to me and allows me to use it. So, I mean, tithing, giving. I'm not standing here saying you've got to tithe. That's between you and the Lord. But we need to mention it. We need to, we, we need to say, you see, my church needs my support. And it's, yes, the spiritual stuff. And that's the stuff that we think, yeah, yeah, we get all excited about. But there's practical stuff as well. My church needs my support, my ministries. God has called you, different ones amongst us, has given ministries to. He's putting faith in your heart. He's growing expectancy. He's growing a sense of, of vision and direction in your hearts. That is also for you to share. Tithing covers everything. It doesn't just cover finances. It covers my, my time. It covers my giftings. It covers, it, it, it covers me of myself. You see, my church, the one that I'm built into, that I'm part of the fabric of, you, needs my support. And the big thing about it is that it means everything because the Lord says to the, the man who came to him and said, what's the most important you know, commandment? And, and the Lord turns around, you tell me. What, what does it say? And he says, oh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your, absolutely everything. You see, my church demands all of me. Now that's a different principle, isn't it? What about what Barry said? Barry challenged us. I'll finish in a minute. Barry challenged us two weeks ago. He talked about when this place was built. He talked about the sacrifice. He talked about the time that was given, about the giftings that were used, about the skills that people had that were sewn into this building, the fabric of this building, the reason that this is here, and it's happened more than once even to the point of being challenged to mortgage their homes to build this place. That challenged me. I thought, ooh. And then I thought, hmm. I believe God is still calling us to that to this day because it's part of my church and it's part of our calling to be something that changes the world. If you've been challenged this morning, if you feel God is challenging you, let me just give you some pointers. First of all, several things you can do. First, worship. Get on your knees before God and just start worshipping him. If you feel challenged, if you're here trying to work out what we're talking about even, if you're whatever, wherever you're at, get on your knees, start worshipping God. Get close to him, because the more you understand his heart, the more you will know what he wants you to do. Second, ask him for revelation. Ask him to stir you with what he wants you to do. Third, ask for strength, because you're going to need it. 
if we decide to follow God, we'll need his strength to do it. Actually, to be honest with you, I would say nothing worth doing, nothing that will last for eternity can be done without the strength of God in our lives. If I can do it, then it's debatable on who's doing it. If it needs God for me to do it, that's when I know. And finally, step out in faith. You need to step out in faith. We're going to be praying over this next week, as Sharon said. Each, each, each day we will be sending out something with a pointer to think about. But if you've got thoughts from these last sermons, bring them. There will be an opportunity before we pray, when we get together, to share, to share what you feel and what you feel God is talking But then there is just one more thing, and often we have an altar call at the end of something, but this morning I want to bring a slightly different thing. I want to challenge you. I was talking to Barry Barry yesterday, and Barry, we were talking about this thing, this this fact of how God had challenged those who grew. You know, we're, we're living, we're reaping what they sowed. This morning we're reaping it. We're here. We're in this building. We have these wonderful chairs. We have the the warmth. We have the light. We have everything. It's here because of what was sown in by those saints 70 years ago, 75 years ago. And as we were chatting on the phone, this thought sort of came. I don't know whether it was Barry said it to me or what, but I just walked away with this thought. So what what are we sowing in today? that 70 years down the line, they will look back and say, we're reaping that. In that that context, there are things that we need. And and just talking to Barry, there was one of the things we've been looking at and wanting to do for ages. Look at the state of that. Who can read that easily? Put your hand up if you can read it easily. Yeah, okay. Well, that one up there. I don't mean that one there. I (laughs) mean... I struggle to read that. <laughs> we really do. One of the things we've been thinking about is, is putting up some screens to make it easier. And you can get a better contrast. You can, you can actually get a better, better picture in that. And I just want to say to you, that this, that I'm, if you feel that God puts that on your heart, stirs your heart, why don't you put something in an envelope and put screens on it? Or why don't you get hold of Barry and do a bank transfer and say, this has come through for the screens or whatever? Because although God is meeting our needs, we don't have a lot of spare cash to pay for that. God is good, don't get me wrong. God is meeting our needs and, and, and through you. But it's just one of those things. Maybe we need to have some faith challenges in our walk. My church needs my support. And that isn't just about finance. It is about everything. It's about me being who I am to help grow the next generation in this church to catch God's vision, to grow the next generation, to catch God's vision, to grow the next generation. Father God, thank you that you put us in churches. You put us in fellowships. You give us relationships You put us together with those that can both help us, support us, challenge us, and encourage us, Lord. And you work amongst us. You make my weaknesses something that those around me can help me with because you've given them strengths and vice versa. Father God, help us. Help us, Lord, to be there for my church.
We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you very much.